How many of you uh, set New Year's resolutions from last year? Has anybody met their New Year's resolution? Anybody at all? Did you, did you set them? Who set, who set a New Year's resolution for 2017? Wow, most of you have not. All right, goals. How many set goals for 2017? How many met those goals? Okay. Wow. Your goal was to still be alive. It's those short obtainable goals that, that we're getting there. Uh, my goal was to have hair by the end of the year. I met that goal. I still have it. That's right. My goal for this year is to be the cool, hip, young pastor again. So ordered my skinny jeans and uh, hopefully they'll arrive by next week. Um, you know, since this Christmas has ended, I have seen nothing but TV commercials for either working out facilities, diet facilities, quit smoking uh, products of one sort or another from the patch to the uh, blindfold so you can't see them or find them in your house or whatever other product you may use to try to quit smoking. And why do you think such products are marketed at this time of the year? Resolutions, exactly. People are going to make a resolution. You know, there are lines forming around, uh, you know, workout facilities like LA Fitness and, and uh, you know, uh, those uh, places, uh, because everybody wants to start the new year out on the right foot, you know? People are promising themselves, I'm going to cut myself down to two Starbucks a day, I promise I'm going to do that, and, and so forth. And yet, very few ever meet the goal in which they set for themselves, And now let's talk to Christians specifically. There's nothing wrong with a Christian setting goals. Nothing wrong with it at all. In fact, I encourage it. I think that we need to be uh, intentional about reaching those things that we are looking to accomplish. It's not just going to happen overnight, is it, In, in some cases, You know, I can wish all I want that I would drop a few pounds, right? But unless I eat correctly and and work out appropriately, I'm not going to accomplish that goal unless I starve myself. And then I die and I don't have anything to worry about anyway. We have to be intentional about the goals in which we set if we are going to reach and accomplish those goals. And I find that a lot of Christians feel that it's, you know, a lack of faith or it's taking things into our own hands if we set these goals and then try to set objective, uh, you know, short-term goals to eventually reach our long-term goal. But do you know that the proverb speaks exactly the opposite, that it is totally something that a believer in Jesus Christ should do? Set goals and then set targets that take you step by step in the manner in which you need to proceed to obtain that goal in which you have set for yourself. I think it's a healthy thing to do. You know, because as I grow older, uh, I realize that time goes by faster. And that's something I surely was not prepared for. I've I've heard it. 
you know, you sit at a Christmas dinner or you sit at a Thanksgiving dinner or you're with family and friends and they say, oh, you know, life is going by so fast after we had kids and after we got married, it's just starting to fly by. That is so true. That is so true. You know, this year in 2018, I'll turn 50 years old. I know I don't look it. I know I don't. I never thought I'd ever get to 50. 30 was a reach for me, you know. And when I was in high school, somebody 50 years old, well, they had one foot in the ground, you know. There's no possible way that you'd ever, and here I am. I certainly don't feel 50, but the reality of it is that I have now lived a half of a century. When I was born, the internet didn't exist. I know that's unbelievable. That cell phones did not exist when I was born. We hadn't made it to the moon yet when I was born. Things change. Time goes by very quickly. And you will find yourself at different places in life looking back and saying to yourself, only if I would have, should have, could have. I should have taken advantage of that opportunity that was presented to me before. Oh, why didn't I take those steps to start planning for my retirement when I was in my 30s or in my 20s? And now here I am in my 50s and I'm not set and I'm not ready and so forth. We've all been at that place at one time or another where we look back and said, you know what, time has gone by so fast. I don't know where it's gone. It's passed me up. Boy, to redo it over now would be an awesome opportunity. But you know what? If we were to redo it without setting goals, without setting those targets by which we obtain those goals, we would repeat it and do exactly the same thing again that we did the first time. That's just the reality of it. And I needed to remind myself of this this year. You know, some things I accomplished and some things I didn't. Some things I really wanted to get a hold of, I, I, I really didn't. And I was reminded of Proverbs 16.3. It's a life proverb for me, and I wanted to share it with all of you this morning on this day. Because I want to help you discover and realize those goals and objectives that God may be placed in your heart to fulfill, but you don't know how to go about doing it. And maybe in some ways you've made headway, but in other areas of your life, you feel like you've experienced nothing but headwinds. You know, it's amazing that you can fly out to California one way and it takes three hours and you fly back from California and it takes four and a half hours. And the reason is it's not because Chicago is farther on the way back. It's because there are headwinds pounding at you the whole way home. And it slows your flight down so much. See, a lot of times when things go easy, we have an easier time, of course, Uh, accomplishing those things that we set out to accomplish. But at other times, when we experience those, uh, those headwinds that keep banging against us, it's at those moments that our momentum slows and we begin to lose our traction and therefore lose our sight at what we want to uh, eventually uh, fulfill or accomplish. 
So how do we get past these headwinds? Because you're always going to have them. The key is to be prepared for them. And any endeavor that I set out to accomplish, I put to the test of Proverbs 16.3. And I want to flesh this proverb out for you a little bit this morning because I want your 2018 to be one where you look back and you say, you know what, man, praise the Lord, I accomplished those things that I set out to accomplish. It's a good feeling that you know that you set out to do something and by the end of the year you've accomplished it and God got the glory for it. But anything that I set out to do, I give myself the opportunity to weigh it against Proverbs 16.3. Because if you don't give yourself the opportunity to look at this verse, you will set out in an endeavor... And you may try to accomplish that endeavor in the exact same manner that you've tried to accomplish previous endeavors. That manner in which you entered into those endeavors previously and those endeavors failed. And now you're going to start some new endeavors, but you're going to approach them in the exact same way as you did the other ones that failed miserably. Now you're ones and approach them in the exact same manner and hope that you have a different result at the end of the year. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting a different result. So maybe it's time you change it up a little bit. Approach these things in a different manner. Let's do them the way God would have us to do them. And let's not bring to pass those endeavors and allow us and to help us to accomplish the things that we set out to accomplish. But there is a criteria to those things. And once that criteria is met in the light of Proverbs 16.3, we can be assured that if we will apply Proverbs 16.3 to it, instead of being pushed back by the headwinds, we'll get a head start. And that's the title of my message for this morning, Getting a Head Start. There was this one kid that I grew up with on my block. His name was Tom. And Tom thought that he was the fastest kid in the world. He, he, he bragged about his speed. You know, and I knew I could blow him away at the time. You know what I'm saying? But see, he had a very interesting way of approaching races, okay? He would, you know, line up at the line and then begin the proceeding of, on your marks, get set, go. Well, by the time the person said get set, he was already gone. He didn't wait until go. And so he always got a head stush. And he was always running and thinking that no one can ever, ever catch up to him. But it's only because he got that head start. I believe that we will be much more successful in our endeavors if we take the head start in which God has given us that we find in Proverbs 16.3. We will get a head start in those endeavors. And that's what I really want to uh, share with you this morning. It's a little different, a little outside the realm of what we normally do on Sundays. And we'll finish Malachi after Malachi. We're going to be getting into some great stuff on Sunday morning. You're not going to want to miss it. 
But I wanted to take this time this morning, being New Year's Eve, and thinking that tonight a lot of people will see that as the demarcation of getting a brand new start in life. And maybe you've got some goals, things you've never done before. New new job. Going to college. Uh, you know, maybe it's, you know, you're starting a, a new relationship. Uh, maybe you're trying to repair relationships from the year prior and it didn't pan out so well. Uh, m- maybe you're trying to save this year, you know, for that rainy day that you know will come eventually because you've experienced rainy days this year and you weren't prepared. Maybe it's this is the year you want to get your budget under control. And, and, you know, you want to live within the means in which God has provided for you. And every year that you set out to do so, you, you just kind of fall behind and, and so forth. Or maybe you're entering this year in a complete uh, uh, fog. Maybe I could say it that way. And you have no idea what God would have you to do next. And you're looking for that direction. I believe understanding Proverbs 16.3 will give you that head start in whatever endeavor you apply yourself to. But there's a criteria that we must weigh our endeavor against to know that we will be successful in accomplishing it in the light of Proverbs 16.3. Which states... Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans might be established. Is that what it says? Possibly will be established. What does it say? Will be. So does God mean what God says? Yeah. They will be accomplished. Now, I, I, that, boy, that gets my attention. Now, the criteria is that I commit it to him. What does that mean? That's what we need to flesh out this morning. And I hope that all of you will see by the end of our time together this morning why we've endeavored to take this challenge on this morning. See, I believe that God is leading each and every one of us to do extraordinary things through the year of 2018. And you may not see them from your vantage point. Uh, It may be a step in the entire process of God bringing you to where he wants you to be. But it's a step. Maybe God has given you a desire in your heart and it, maybe it's a career desire. Maybe it's a, a, an educational desire. Maybe it's a desire uh, of ministry in some way. Maybe it's a desire in relationship in some way. And you don't know how to go about getting to the end goal. That's what this is all about today. To commit something to the Lord means that you're going to trust him with it. That's what that word means. It means you're going to roll it up upon him, okay? So whatever it is, I don't care what that endeavor is. You're going to take it and entrust it to the Lord. It might be a schooling endeavor. It might be whatever type of endeavor. It it, it may be uh, something you want to accomplish. You're going to roll it up onto the Lord and trust the Lord with it. 
And number one in trusting the Lord with that endeavor is this. Knowing it's something that God wants you to do. Now, sometimes we take that and reduce it to say it's only ministry endeavors. Like maybe God wanting me to serve someplace in the church. Uh, Maybe God wanting me to do something outside of the church under the uh, umbrella of Christian ministry. But the Bible tells me that God is much more concerned about every aspect of our lives. Every aspect of our lives. And if you will let him, invite him in, and if you will trust him with that endeavor, God will lead you accordingly. So I don't care if it's a choice that you have to make, a decision that is just playing havoc with your mind. I don't care if it's a carry in which you care with you. I don't care what that endeavor is. The Lord is saying, commit it to me today. Commit it to me. Trust me with it. And the first thing we need to know is, is it something that God would have us get involved with? right? That's a big question. You know, how how do I know which job God would want me to pursue? He's laid a couple possibilities before me, and I don't know what direction to go in. You know, uh, maybe you're graduating high school, and you're looking at college. What college does the Lord want me to go to? You see, we sometimes think that God doesn't care about those decisions. He does care. He loves us. And if you will allow him to be part of those decisions, he will guide you. First and foremost, you must know if he desires you to go to those, um, or desires you to enter into those endeavors. Let me say it that way. Does he want you to do this? This is a great question to ask yourself. Number one, entrusting things to God will require you to ask the question, does God want me to do this? And what one person has experienced for an answer may not be the answer that God gives you. Well, how do I know? How do I know what direction? How do I know if God is in it or not? Well, sometimes it starts out with a desire, a passion, a burden. I feel the Lord is really leading me to go to higher education. So you begin to pray about it, saying, Lord, is this really what you'd have me to do? And then, you know, it's not wrong to pursue higher education. So you know that God is not against it per se. So you begin to pray and ask him, where would you have me to go? What would you have me to major in? God is concerned about that. And he wants to help you along the way. So to ascertain or to discern the direction in which God is giving you, you must be in prayer. You must be. You're not praying to get your will accomplished. You're praying, inviting God into, this is a decision, Lord. I'm surrendering it to you. I'm trusting it to you. I feel led to do this, Lord. But Lord, help me. Show me, Lord. Show me that I'm doing what you would have me to do. And after you begin to pray about it earnestly, and I would encourage you to pray about it and get some people that you love and respect to pray about it with you and see how the Lord would answer that prayer 
through his word, number two. What does the scriptures say about this decision in which I'm about to make? You know, is there anything that the scriptures clearly say and prohibit me from making the decision in which I'm about to make? Therefore, I know God doesn't want me in it, okay? God doesn't want me uh, to proceed if he has clearly prohibited it in his scripture. But there's sometimes that God does not speak, you know, uh, thou shall major in. I know that's a prayer that my daughter wished was answered clearly in, in the Bible that she could do. But as she is seeking the Lord, God's leading her and will lead you also in those endeavors because God cares about these things. So start to search the scriptures, look for direction and look for uh, something that would prohibit the direction that you want to go and then be obedient to those and allow God to use them to guide you in that process. And here's the third one and you're not going to like it. No one ever does. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. You see, we have a problem in this nation, and I don't know if you've uh, seen this yet. We're very impatient people, aren't we? You know, I, I've prayed for patience. It's one of the worst prayers you can ever pray. You will be thrusted into situations where you are forced to be patient. And it just bothers me because I just want to get it done, you know. Let's keep moving on. Let's not stop. But waiting on the Lord, number three, is a key component into ascertaining His will for your life. Now, you say, well, I'm under deadlines. I, you know, I have to make my decision by X amount of time. Now, let me ask you a question. If you know that, do you think God knows that? Right? God, I'm sorry. I don't know if you're aware of this, but I have to make the decision in two weeks. And God's like, oh, great. I got two weeks. You know, don't be surprised if God shows up at the last moment, at the last minute. He does that often. He does that to me constantly. Sometimes I think I'm at the end of his appointment book, but waiting on the Lord. And in that time of waiting, watch to see what uh, doors God will open and close accordingly. When you're waiting, it's not just sitting there doing nothing. It's also observing and watching what doors God opens and closes accordingly. Because a closed door is just as much of God's will as an open door is. And number four, this is a key. Stay objective rather than becoming emotional in the process. Once you become emotional, you start to drown out the still small voice of God. When feelings arise to the degree that they are hindering your objectivity, it is often at that moment that you make decisions based upon a knee-jerk decision rather than clearly, calmly, and objectively. So if there's something in 2017 that you have been failing to accomplish, number one, I would state to you, is that something that the Lord would have you to do? That's the first step in the Proverbs 16.3 test. Is it something that God would have you to do? And we just talked about how we ascertain that. But there's a second point that we must make clear too that's found in the word plans here. 
It's also the word thoughts. And in the Hebrew, it's a word that means methodologically stepped out time and time again. And if you look with me later on in the chapter at verse 9, this same word is used when the Lord says, the heart of the man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. So this issue of the plan is not only is God concerned about if he would have you to do it or not, but he's also concerned in the manner in which you do it. Does that make sense? God says, yes, I'll ha- I want you to do this. And then you go about proceeding to, you know, take that endeavor on. And God's saying, well, I'm also concerned about the manner in which you do it. This is the second place that some people fail. First, they try to do things that God doesn't want them to do. And they don't understand why they fail as believers. But the second place where they have difficulties is, yes, now they're doing something that God would have them to do, but they're not doing it in the manner that God would have them to do it. Let me spell it out for you a little bit. Once you know that, once you understand that God is opening a door for you to do something, he's also concerned about the manner in which you do it. For example, if God leads you to enter into higher education for one day obtaining a degree that will allow you a career in the position in which he wants to place you, whatever that position is. Now, if you obtain that degree by cheating on your homework and cheating on tests, is that something that God would approve of or disapprove of? Oh, come on disapprove of. Everybody's like, well, the circumstances could be. No, he disapproves of it. You know, every time we go and we buy, you know, uh, honesty, we fill out our IRS tax returns and we're punching in numbers and we're like, man, that refund, if it was only a few bucks more, you know. Well, maybe if I juggle these numbers around a little bit, then all of a sudden, ooh, I like that refund a lot better, you know. Is God happy with that? No, of course not. That's cheating. God would never have you accomplish that which he sets you out to accomplish by doing it in a, in a prescribed manner that is absolutely uh, uncharacteristic with his character. So find out what the word says about how to go about accomplishing your different endeavor. Well, for example, honesty. How does honesty, God would have us to be honest, so that we must be honest as we approach our endeavors. Uh, God uh, prohibits lying. So lying in fulfilling our endeavors isn't going to uh, satisfy the Lord. So God has not only what he would prescribe for you, he has a prescribed manner in which to accomplish those things. And what does the word spell out? Now, there are principles that will support your endeavor and taking positive steps forward, but there's also principles in the word that would keep you from uh, taking steps outside of that straight and narrow path, if it were, and violate the word of God, violate the conscience of God, and of course, leads you to sin rather than to success. So God not only is concerned about what you do, he's concerned about the manner in which you do it. 
And once you find and search the scriptures to see what God would have you to do, and a lot of that is already instilled in you. You know that God wants you to be honest. You know that God doesn't want you to compromise your your values. You know that God doesn't want you to cut corners. You know that God wants you to be upright and above reproach in all things. A lot of it's already instilled in you. And this will help you fulfill rightly those things that God sets out for you to fulfill. Number three, this is the hard one. Don't dictate the timeline to God. Trust me, I have realized after 32 years of walking with the Lord that his timeline for my life is completely different than my timeline for my life. And once you surrender that timeline, it's so freeing. Once you say that, Lord, you know what? I'm going to allow you to bring about things in your perfect timing and trust you for them, God will be there for you. As one wrote, he says, this whole line is equivalent to saying, trust everything you do to the Lord. And one example of how this is expressed in the translations is everything you want to do, put it in the hands of the Lord. And what will happen as a result? Once you understand that this is something God would have you to do, then go about doing it the way God would have you to do it. Your plans will be established. You will be blessed by accomplishing that which you set out to accomplish. You will see God work in your life. You will understand that God is for you and not against you, that God isn't keeping you from things that you think will make you happy, which he knows will only complicate and hurt your life. See, this is something about us and God that I think in 2018 we have to finally put to rest. He is God and I am not. And as a result, I have to believe that God knows me better than I know myself. I I think I know myself pretty good. But if I were to be honest, in the light of Scripture, I would have to say, God knows me better than I know myself. And as a result, then I have to trust that God knows what's best for me better than I know what's best for myself. Now, those are things you personally have to struggle with. I I can't make you accept those things, believe those things, and walk according to those things. You have to believe them yourself. But once you do, you are then putting God in the driver's seat, and you are allowing him to lead you where he would have you to go. And I believe that the Lord wants to lead us into all kinds of endeavors, from our careers to our relationships to our um, ministries, etc. Whatever it may be, trust God with them and allow Him to lead you where He would have you and see if it not be something more than you ever, ever expected it to be. Now, you may think you are convinced that you know exactly what you want and that's what's going to do it for you. It's going to, you're going to have that identity you've always wanted and so on and so forth. But what if God has something better? What if God has something better? 
Now again, I, you know me well enough. I'm not talking about material wealth necessarily. I'm not talking about pride and prominence and places of position necessarily. But I'm saying that God knows us better than we know ourselves. And I will tell you that being a pastor is the last thing that I ever thought that I'd ever want to do. And 20 years now have passed. And God was right. I can't see myself doing anything but I love it and you so much. That's what keeps me going year after year after year after year. I would have never come to this point if it weren't for trusting the Lord with all things. Number two, give it to God in His timeline and it will be established. Number three, God will receive all the glory. Number four, this one is huge. To establish those things, let God establish them the way He would have it established. For example, you can have the right idea of where God is leading you and so on and so forth, but you also need to let God fulfill it in the manner in which He desires to fulfill it. Say you wanted to become a teacher. And so God opens the door for you to, uh, you know, enter into college and get your teaching degree and go through schooling. And now you have obtained your degree. You're ready to become a teacher. But then he opens the door for you to go to a school in which you never, ever, ever thought that you would be teaching in. You might have had the impression that it was going to be in maybe an affluential area of the suburbs of Chicago. You're going to be teaching in Barrington and driving a Lexus and so forth. But now God has you in a place where you're like, man, I can barely afford a Toyota, let alone that. And these kids, oh my gosh, they are completely unruly and they're swinging from the chandeliers. God, I don't know what you have me to do here. But God has placed you there because he has a plan and he knows exactly what is going to fulfill you and how you are going to fulfill the plan and purposes that he has for you. Are you willing for that to occur? Now this takes faith, right? This takes trust. And I'm challenging you in 2018, roll it all upon God this year. Roll it all upon God and let God play it out as he will. Because he says here, as we clearly denoted from the beginning, that he will establish your plans. They will be established. They will be accomplished. As one stated very clearly, the end result is that your desires, if it is what God desires, will be caused to turn out well for his glory. And so as we take the Proverbs 16.3 test. Number one, does God want me to do it? Number two, how does God want me to do it? And number three, God will establish it in the manner in which he chooses to establishment, establishes it absolutely coincides with what the psalmist wrote in Psalm 37.5. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. Now here, guys, let's be honest. Often when God sets us up 
to pursue the endeavor in which he has set before us, he will bring us to places in that process that we are completely faced with our own personal limitations. That we say to ourselves, I can't do this. And this is nothing new. Look at every character of the Bible, every ordinary individual that God used in extraordinary ways. He brought them out and asked them to believe the impossible. Didn't he? Abraham, you're going to have a child. Oh, it's going to be 20 years from now and you're going to be 100 some years old. Don't worry about it. I got it. Thanks, Lord. My parts aren't going to work then. Trust me, it's going to happen. Did it happen? Moses, you're going to deliver the children of Israel from the army of Egypt. And on the way out, I'm going to bring you to a place that you are going to totally be backed in a corner. For there's going to be a sea in front of you. There's going to be mountains on both sides of you. And there's going to be the Egyptian army behind you. And you're going to have absolutely no place to go. And I am so thankful that Moses, when he got to that point of his uh, personal end to his own uh, you know, ability and limitations, he didn't say, guys, put on your floaties and let's go for it. They all would have died, right? He waited on the Lord and he saw the Lord do something miraculous. Trust me, your endeavor that the Lord set you on isn't going to be easy peasy. You're going to come to times where you are faced with your own personal limitations and then you have to make a decision. It's usually at that time that you're kind of uh, tempted to maybe fudge a little bit or to maybe take a little step off the straight and narrow a little bit and, and try to get around this problem in some way. And it's at that moment that God's going to say, trust in me and I'm going to bring you through it because I brought you to it. Now I'm going to bring you through it because I haven't left you in the wilderness to die. And he's going to bring you over that hump. He's going to show himself strong in some way that is so unbelievable that if you weren't to personally experience it yourself, you never would have believed it from someone else. And you know why God does that? Because when you come to the next thing, he wants you to remember the last one. Hey, remember when you got to the Red Sea, Moses? This next one's going to be cake. This next one is going to be easy. And that's why commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. As we enter into 2018, maybe the Lord is stirring you in your heart to do something out of the ordinary. Maybe you're going to take a a big step out in faith. Maybe you're ready. And now I've given you Proverbs 16.3 by which to qualify it. We need to constantly be seeking what God would have for us. We cannot sit in a place of idleness or or rest in the status quo. What would God have us to do next? God isn't finished with any of you. You know why I know that? Because you're all still here. Because when he's done with you, he's just going to take you home. That's it. I'm done with you. Come on home. That's it. But you're still here, right? And I want you to take 2018 and whatever you're facing, 
and whatever decision you're about to make, I want you to weigh it in the light of the Lord. I want you to roll it up upon him and say, I'm entrusting it to you, Lord, whatever that decision may be. God cares about what you do. He cares about what you are experiencing in your life. Will we trust him? As one wrote, he says, are you worried about tomorrow, next week, next year, or the unforeseeable future? How's it all going to work out, you ask yourself? Why don't you just turn it over to him, roll it over onto him, and trust him with it, and leave it there once and for all. 2017, I was reminded that worry absolutely produces nothing good. Any hair that I was hoping to salvage, I lost in my process of worrying. Anxiety ain't going to take you anywhere, right? As the Bible says, to fret, I think I even went there a few times, fretting about stuff. In 2018, I want our church to trust God and to allow him to lead us wherever he would have us to go. And that is why when we finish the book of Malachi, which we will next Sunday, we are going to hit Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to go through the hall of faith and we're going to be reminded of what it means to believe in God. And we're going to take every step by faith to trust him. And if we take a step in the wrong direction, I trust God enough that he'll turn me around and get my attention and go, oh, come on, get back here, you know. And he'll point me back in the right direction. But we need to remember that God isn't done with us. And God cares about every step of the journey and he is with us every step of the way. So when it comes to our prayer, we're going to pray in faith. When it comes to our teaching, we're going to teach and trust the Lord to fulfill his word. When it comes to our fellowship with one another, we're going to encourage each other in our endeavors. Encourage one another. I remember when my wife took on the teaching responsibility and she felt that she was one of the most inexperienced, ill-equipped person. She couldn't believe the Lord was ever leading her to teach. She has now taught 12 years, 13 years. She's the go-to after the head of the preschool department in CLA. And she has seen God work miracles in and through her because she allowed God to take her that step of faith. I don't do this to brag on Dina. I'm in the doghouse a little bit, so I have to get out of it. No, I'm not bragging on Dina. Here's the deal. It's ordinary people, as we, Dean and I talk, God uses in extraordinary ways. What does God want to do with you? I'm nobody. That's great. That's who God chooses, nobodies. He loves to use nobody. Well, there's quality number one, fulfill. You know, I'm not that smart. (laughs) Quality number two, fulfilled. I don't have any real abilities. Quality number three, You know, because it's not us. It's him working through us. And that, you know, I don't care. Like I said, we got some going to college. You know, do it onto the glory of God, man. Let God take you to where he would have you. Apply your all to it. 
God leads you to a new job. Work on to the Lord at that new job. Be a witness for Jesus Christ in that place. I don't care what God would have you to do, okay? We may, with all the hockey players here in this church, we may be seeing the future line of the Chicago Blackhawks, okay? Remember me when you're millionaires, okay? Because I'll need it by that time. Why not? Go for big things. And if, Lord, if the Lord shuts the door, the Lord shuts the door. You can handle it, right? We're not snowflakes here at this church. Because one door he's going to close, he's going to open up another one, right? Take the Lord at his word. Trust him. See what the Lord would do. Because I want to be looking back at 2018 and just saying, wow, did you see what God did through ordinary, uneducated, unskilled people? And then he gets all the glory for it. Psalm 22.8 says, He trusts in the Lord as we make professions of being Christians, as we say we follow God. The world challenges us and says, He trusts in the Lord, we'll let him, that is the Lord, deliver him. Fine, you wouldn't put my God to the test? That's fine. Because this is when God shows up big time. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. And Proverbs 16, 9, which we'll end with this morning, the heart of a man plans his way, but it's the Lord who will establish his footsteps. The word establish means makes firm. To set up, not to fail, but to succeed. So whatever endeavor the Lord sets you out in, in his will, and you do it the way God would prescribe you to do it, that honors and glorifies him, he will establish that plan, and that plan will be fulfilled and accomplished. So whatever you were failing in this year, take it to Proverbs 16.3 this morning and see if the Lord would give you that direction that you need to go forward, to be successful, and to accomplish those objectives in which he has set out before you.